What's up, homies, and welcome to another episode of Humanizing Horror with your host, D.L. Holmes. I am D.L. Holmes, and this is going to be a little bit of an interesting episode because I did not even kind of sort of write a script for this, and I've had a little bit of wine. Um, this, I'm, I'm not going to use this as an excuse. I usually have a sip of something before I do these, and I feel like more so than probably any other episode of Humanizing Horror or D.L. Holmes Presents, I should probably put a, like, a parental advisory or viewer discretion in front of this episode, but I'm not gonna. So, like, we're just gonna rock and roll with this. Um, I'm gonna make up the title as I'm making this intro. It's gonna be something, it's gonna be something neat. You'll see it, because it'll pop up if you're following me. Like, you're gonna see, like, oh, that's the title of a new episode. I don't even have that written yet, but the subject we're gonna talk about is religious themes and horror. Why... Because it's Easter. No, that's not why. Because I watched this freaking movie on Hulu the other night and it raised a lot of freaking questions. And it reminded me of a trope that is very common in these sort of films. And I just want to freaking talk about that. I want to talk about that. I want to share information with you. I want you all to engage with this and maybe provide some clarity if you have it. And I'm going to teach you some things that maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't want to know, but we're going to talk about it anyway. All right, so give me a second. We're going to get right to it. All right, here we go. This is episode five. This is episode five of Humanizing Horror. And uh, we're going to dive right into it. And before we get to the theme, I want to I try to outline why I feel so strongly about what I'm going to mention. I have a little bit of a buffer because I realize that some things that I'm about to say could possibly come off as offensive. And I'm not meaning to be offensive whatsoever. This is literally a question that's been raised a lot. First of all, if y'all don't know this, I'm not super fond of the word trope. Now, I'm aware that there are common and repeating themes in all forms of media. That's just a thing. It just really is. Like, in anime, video games, like, they exist. But, I don't know. Something about it gives it, like, a negative connotation, right? However, today, I had to come face fact with the fact that, you know, they're are negatives too sometimes like some of these repeating things are ridiculous like why do you keep doing this thing and it raised you know kind of a conscious question because you know this this theme kind of goes beyond horror it goes into the real world i'm gonna try not to touch on that too much because that's gonna lead us into a different direction and i wanna i wanna really touch on this theme which i'm gonna get to i'm gonna raise an example for you right so as i've said and as some of you know if you've been here i'm old okay i'm old i'm an older I'm an older gent, all right. And I've, I've, you know, I've got a, I've got a cane. I've got a walking stick of sorts. Uh, it's, it's fashionable. It's an accessory. I don't need it, but um, at some point I might. Okay, you know, I'm, I try to try to keep in shape. I'm trying to live a little longer. You know, this black don't crack. Uh, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep myself, you know, in check. But I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. Okay, so I, I grew up, you know, in the '90s, and I have to say, you know. It's a different type of film in that era. And I know I'm not some old man in a rocky chair saying, oh, movies were so much better back then. It was just a certain type of film. There was a certain type of movie or a certain type of script. And there was a certain type of hero for the job in those films. Now, I love movies. I just love movies in general. I've never stopped watching movies. I love movies now. But I'm bringing this up because of the sentence I just said, the hero for the job. Nobody else could have been in Die Hard other than John McClane. Yeah, these these terrors, this crazy plot and everything in this building it was really a heist it was crazy by the way spoiler warning spoiler warning spoiler warning because i'm going to spoil a lot of stuff here all right nobody else is that 
And the reason why I bring this up is because when you think about a movie, and usually this is prevalent in genre-specific movies like actions, uh, you know, thrillers and stuff, you got to get the right person for the job. That's just common sense, right? It just is. Hackers is one of my favorite movies, right? But you're not going to get zero cool to fight, you know, a wizard that descends from the sky and starts setting a village on fire, right? No. You're going to get super swole buff Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? You know, you have these movies with these ridiculous plots. Ridiculous plots about, like, you know, like some... L.A. has been overtaken by a biker gang and the only person that can stop them is this cop that also looks like it acts like a biker and nobody's gonna believe he's a cop and we're gonna send him undercover you know he's too extreme for the police force but he's the only one that can get the job done there's a lot of there's a lot of that there's a lot of stuff like that it's like all those themes and everything okay so the whole thing about the right man for the job right and i don't even have to say just the 90s that's that's typically what you try to do like you try to in any in life even applying right you know you don't get a plumber to come paint your house you find somebody that's good at painting houses you know the right person for the job why do i keep saying that here's why the other night i started watching this movie on hulu and at first i was going to tell you the name of the movie but you, you can find it you can find it with the detail that i'm giving you I'm not going to tell you the name of the movie because I don't want this to turn into a bigger discussion even though it's kind of going to and I'm going to keep bringing us back. The movie on Hulu starts off and it's a bunch of nuns. You know, they're being, you know, all nun-like, doing nun stuff. You know how nuns be. And, uh, you know, one of them seems to uh, lose their shit a little bit. You know, get get possessed. You know, it gets a little wacky. It gets a little crazy. Now... Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into me, right? So, I've talked to you all before, and if you're new here, I've never talked to you about this. But my parents were freaking awesome, all right? My mom was a badass. My dad was a badass, you know. Grew up in the 90s and everything. They weren't perfect. They were human, but they were great. One of the things that was great about them was they allowed me to be my own person, and we were in certain ways. I was allowed to rent movies that I wanted to rent from Blockbuster, and I did it whenever I could. You know, I was one of those kids, you know, they gave me lunch money. I would just eat fries, save my money to the end of the week so I can go get a slushie and rent, like, five movies in a video game. Well, on one fateful day, when I was 14 years old, summer going into freshman year of high school... I went to Blockbuster. Right next to Blockbuster, there was a Burger King. I used to love going to Burger King and getting a whole Whopper. And I would get a Whopper, all the trimmings, because something about the tomato mixing with the mayo, and I'm not a big fan of mayo, actually. I'm not even kind of a fan of mayo. Something about that mixture together made what I felt like was a secret sauce. It just made the Whopper a great sandwich. <clears throat> Enough about that. So I'm like, gonna get my Whopper. I'm gonna get my chocolate shake and my fries. I'm so ready for this. <clears throat> and I'm gonna go rent some weird shit, okay? Because for the most part, right, I was kind of like, oh, just, just talk to me about it. Something that was uncomfortable, you know. I, you know, poke his head in as soon as I was watching. Didn't necessarily approve everything that I rented. He'd be like, why did you rent that? You know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's not like I was renting pornography. I was just, you know, I was just renting, you know, some obscure B-rated horror movies that, you know, now live rent-free in my mind. So I went in there, and I looked at a little bargain section, and I was so ready to pick my stuff. Now, I told you if you've been here and if you've never met before, I told you nothing. That I found a lot of solace growing up because being an alternative kid in the 90s, um, 
there's this thought and idea of being an alternative kid at all that you were lonely growing up. Well, I found ways to not be lonely uh, by the predicate of my situation, which was just that I knew if I existed that other people like me existed. This is why I fell in love with reading, because I would read about people that either were like me or read stories from people that wrote stories that I wanted to write, and therefore I knew I wasn't alone. So one of the other ways that I would kind of cope with being uh, fucking weird was that when I would go places and do things, I would see other people there that would go places and do things. And what I mean by that is, like, I'm 14 years old, so if I saw, like, a 19-year-old college girl that was renting the same weird shit as me, I then applied and said, hey, if I was 19, maybe I would grab coffee with this person and talk about how horrible the hunting of Morella is. Which is, by the way, the worst horror movie that I have ever... I don't know. We'll save that for a list. It's one of them, and I'll tell you why in uh, another episode. But, you know, let's say that would be a conversation. So that is a potential friend. So therefore, I have the potential to make that friend. But since I am a 14-year-old kid in high school, starting high school, that is not a friend that I have. But the potential is there, so therefore, I am not alone in this world. I will find some other weird person that is renting the Hondo Morella. So when I was at Blockbuster, I would kind of hang around and see who would hang out in the aisles. I would hang out. I would make a whole event of it. I'd even at the bookstore, you know, I'd rent, you know, old Robotech novels and I'd see, you know, who checked them out and I would look at the name and I wouldn't look them up or like follow or anything like that, but I would just be like, hey, that's a person that not too long ago read this story. So there is someone here for me to talk about this with. I may not ever speak to them, but they exist. I say this all because I forgot what weird thing. I feel like that should be important, but I know I picked up a f- copy of Finger Warrior magazine which I don't think my mom was really happy about me reading Fingoria magazine. And, you know, I think, I feel like it's because it was expensive. It's still very expensive. Damn you, Fingoria. But it did have some girl stuff in there. And, uh, you know, I picked up my copy of Fingoria magazine and I went to go pick up a movie. And I don't remember what it was, but I know it was going to be rated horror for y'all. And then I saw a hand. I saw a hand near mine. As if somebody had been waiting for me to make a decision on what I was going to buy. And then since I didn't buy the movie or get the movie that they wanted to buy, they picked it up. But it was in my aisle. And I'm like, oh, let me turn and see this potential friend, this this somebody, this this being, this creature here that is, you know, in love with the dog. And it was a nun. It was a freaking nun. Why is that a big deal to me? Okay. Because in my weird, naive head, I didn't know nuns could rent movies. I didn't think that was a thing. Like, I thought, I, I, I know how ridiculous that sounds now kind of maybe like a vow celibacy just means that you can't bang but like to me if you took a vow celibacy you couldn't do shit like what are you doing in a blockbuster what are you doing eating a junior wop okay yes when i went to burger king i noticed the nuns were there and i was really curious as to what they ordered and i had this memory has been burned into my head but i was just really bewildered watching these nuns laugh you can't laugh your 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 smiles are for the Lord. What are you doing? Can I give those out freely while you dip your fries in milk? I was so floored this day. It changed my entire life. I remember I went home and I was so flabbergasted. My father, who worked nights, had been somewhat awake for dinner and asked me what was up. It was just kind of like, how was your day? Yeah, read a movie. He thought I had like, I guess, a, a wild experience because honestly, the first time I saw American uh, uh, American Psycho, Left the weird taste in my mouth. It was the end. It was to feed me a cat scene. Uh, and for something, I was like, ah, my dad had to come by. He's like, mm, something to serve you just now. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Psychosis. It just made me feel weird. But, uh, 
Yeah, so he just kind of like, you know, what is it? He assumed, like, I had watched one of my movies, like, and I'm like, no, Dad, it's the weirdest thing. I was that blockbuster, and I, I saw a nun, a, a group of nuns, a gaggle of nuns. It's a, I don't know, a, a, what are you, a murder, a murder of crows? That, what do you call a group of nuns? I saw a nunnery. I saw, saw some people, I saw a group of folks nunning. They were nunning at Blockbuster, and they were renting horror movies. And it was hilarious because my dad, I looked and I'm like, I felt less alone because I knew that he was like, and he's like, are you sure? Are you sure? I remember he looked and then he kind of chuckled because he's like, you don't like watch movies, right? It's almost like he knew what I was thinking. Like he thought about it for a sec. He's like, I can watch movies. And I'm like, no, no, no. My whole world has been turned upside down since when can they know Earthly pleasures. You can't watch. You can't watch John McClane throw throw a terrorist out of out of a building and land on Carl Winslow's car. You're a nun. You give that up for for good purpose. I'm not judging, but I'm just like you can't. So I think, well, apparently you can. Apparently you can. And then I've done more research and watched for movies, and you know you have normal lives. Somewhat you just you know you devote yourself. But anyway, so back to this Hulu experience, right? So you know all these nuns were nunning. And one of them apparently gets possessed and pizzab, eh, this stuff, and calls the other nuns, you know, whores and, you know, screaming. And so suddenly we, we flash to a young deacon, walks into what seems like an orchard, and flowers and stuff everywhere. There's a little priest there, obviously. What were you doing just now? And he's all like, in all the bounty I've seen, nothing so beautiful, blah, 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 blah. And then he's all like, wait, who sent you here? And it's like, oh, Father so-and-so. And I said, what? He probably did this to embarrass me. All right, so. And as little detail as possible, because I don't want this to be bigger than it needs to be, we find out that our, our, our male protagonist, depending on how you look at it, maybe the deacon's supposed to be male protagonist, I don't know. But, like, our head priest, right, has had some very heavy accusations, but I'm not going to say what accusations they were. Think about what kind of movies this is and the themes I presented, and then you can guess what kind of accusations they are, right? And, you know, the Archbishop is there and a bunch of other priests, and they're, they're giving him stuff. They're being very passive-aggressive, which, by the way, also floored. I don't think you're allowed to be passive-aggressive when you're a priest, but, you know, maybe this movie doesn't have creative liberties. Maybe priests are passive-aggressive all the time. They, like, you know... They say the word and they just kind of like say kind of snarky to each other based on like what they know and what else they do with their free time. I mean, pray. But so they, they this little little exchange happens and then they're all like, be, you know, be mindful, be watchful. And the deacon's like shook. He's like, why? What's going on? There have been some accusations and he is not denied. And he's like, am I, am I in danger? Am I safe? And they laugh. They laugh. And they say, yeah, you're a grown man. You'll be fine. Even the archbishop looks like he's about to hold, he's holding in a chuckle. And I'm like, I don't think you guys are allowed to laugh, especially about this. This is not a funny subject. These are not funny accusations. So then there's a scene at a diner afterwards where, like, our preacher man's looking at the deacon. And he's like, hey, you know, Cliff knows. I'm not giving you full dialogue here. But he's like, hey, you should, uh, you should smash that waitress. And he's like, sir. Sir, we we are about to perform an exorcism. I, I, have, I have vows to take. Like, yes, but you haven't taken them yet. You should really know thyself before you step forward. It's like, I don't, I don't think you, you young. You got your whole life ahead of you. You know, maybe maybe the cloth isn't for you. Maybe you should find out. And he's like, bro, you need me to cover the check. And the waitress comes and they exchange some freaky eyes between, 
between themselves. So then, you know, they roll up. They roll up to the nunnery. The nuns are, are nunning and stuff. And he he opens his his center console in his car and he hands the little deacon a, a collar. And he's like, hey, bro, you should put this on. And he's like, bro, why do you have that? Which I am curious about, too. I don't know how any of this works, by the way. I am not Catholic. But I, I guess my assumption is that you get the collar and it's like the one, it's like yours. It's kind of like a lightsaber. Like, you know, you find a proper kyber crystal and you choose which, you know, what the deacon, pre, whatever the different levels of Sith and Jedi that you are. And then that's yours. And like, you have to protect that for the entire time that you are whatever you are. Or, you know, it gets taken by Sif and twisted to make their... I don't know. You, you get one. I don't think you just got a bunch. Like, you just don't have a drawer full of them. Especially in the center console of your car. And my deacon man was like, bro, I'm not putting that on, G. Like, I don't... I haven't taken my vow. And he's like, yeah, it's going to look bad if you go in there without it, right? And he's like, bro, put that away. Like, I'm not putting that... Morally, I'm not going to put it on. And, like, the head, you know, nunny, like gives him some crap about it and then you know the nuns start thirsting over them through the window and they're smoking cigarettes and it is it is a wild it's a wild little thing okay so i stopped watching the movie about 10 minutes after this somebody gets their nose almost bitten off it's crazy um i have like an hour left here's why <laughs> Here's why I stopped watching the movie. Because this movie mirrored real life too much. What? No, I'm serious. Here's why. Some of you know or don't know. And I'd like to think maybe if you're here listening, you do know because you're a little weirdo like me. So you know weird stuff like this. Uh, since 2020, go figure, there has been a surprising upsurge of exorcisms. No joke. Not kidding. There have been so many demonic possessions across the world that the church, the Vatican, is understaffed to deal with all of the exorcisms. They've done more exorcisms in the last two years than they have on record for doing in the last century. Let that soak in. Research that and, like, have some nightmares and shit. You're welcome. But here's, here's where, here's where I, I have an issue, right? This is, this is why this is this episode. Y'all ain't have nobody else. Y'all ain't have nobody else. Two weeks ago, the Pope, P-Daddy, came on and was pretty much like, hey, sorry for all this, you know, all these shenanigans. That's what I'm calling this really awful thing that I'm trying not to say so that this doesn't turn into a bigger issue or conversation than it needs to be. Shenanigans. Please don't think that I'm taking it lightly. I'm just, I just, I just... I don't want to go into it. You know what it is. If you don't know what it is, look it up. And I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to tell you to look it up. You know what it is. You know what it is. So he comes on. He's like, hey, sorry about these shenanigans. They're messed up. And it's bogus, right? And yet, and yet, despite, despite there being so many shenanigans, so many shenanigans that we have the first pope ever coming on and delivering a public apology instead of just being quiet and no commenting about it, so many in prospect, these are the same people that are going out and giving exorcisms. Now, here's why I bring this up. If Conan couldn't lift his sword, I would not ask him to go fight the witch, right? 
if Zero Cool, I don't know, lost his hand in a cannon accident, I would not have him kill the Gibson, all right? And let's be honest with ourselves. Some of us still hold some trauma for being picked last in dodgeball, but could we throw balls? Like, I'm going to tell you, the curvature, this is always weird for me. I always felt like I got a downswing or an upswing when I threw. This wasn't my thing. I was a baseball person. You know, I was a runner. All right, dodgeball was not my thing. I got picked last at dodgeball. I couldn't throw. It's fine. You you were doing it. For, it's natural select. It's no big deal. Exactly. You pick the right tool and the right person for the job. So, in my opinion, and we can center this back on media, but I am talking about real life too, because I feel like, you know, art imitates life and vice versa. But in media, why are in religious horror films, nine times out of 10, our heroes awful? Why are they awful? I have a thought on that, right? I, I technically have an answer for that immediately. I feel like because of the subject, um, because of the theme, because of the religion in question, you know, Judeo-Christian faith, because of, you know, in film, typically the act of redemption, God forgives all. I feel like because of that, they always make the protagonist awful. <laughs> it's always a faithless preacher, a non-believer, a drunk, an alcoholic, a womanizer, Someone involved in shenanigans. But, alright. This this is this is what I'm digging, alright? When I played dodgeball, I got picked last. I got picked last out of 20 motherfuckers, right? Surely every freaking priest is not involved in shit. You ain't got one. You ain't got one homie that's, like, simultaneously, like, building a church with his foot while feeding the homeless and reading a bedtime story and, like, spouting the gospel. Like, he's been, like, walking... For Loris is day one. Like somebody kind of gets exercised and he snaps and the demon comes out. He puts it in a chokehold, throws it into a crater back to hell, does the father, son, the Holy Spirit, fixes his collar and just like levitates. Like there's not any, none of these people are walking around. Not one. No, we got to get Father Michael who fell off the wagon because of some incident that happened 17 years ago and also because he volunteered in Kenya during some uprising and accidentally like caught like 10 or 12 bodies and it's kind of been haunting him. So he's been on the bottle and he may have hooked up with a hooker and he might have an illegitimate child, but he's the one man that stands between Satan and the end of the world. No, I feel like the roster at the Vatican is pretty fucking heavy and y'all got at least like 30 or 40 other motherfuckers that y'all could have sent for that job. Why? Why is... Is it, this is not just like a Judeo-Christian thing. In most horror involving religion that I have seen, it's always the worst person. It, it, the Buddhist horde, the monk is an alcoholic. Like, why? Why? It's one thing to be a flawed protagonist. I don't think my protagonist has to be perfect. Obviously, I mentioned the 90s protagonist for a reason. John McClane, not necessarily a great guy. We don't even need to talk about the Lethal Weapon series. I love Riggs and Murtaugh. They are great, but they were awful people. The 90s was a weird time. You used to talk a certain way about certain people. And it was not very accepting and it was not super cool. Those cool movies, this stuff is going to be made today, yada, yada. They were good. But you know what? They were doing the right person for the job. You know why? Because, you know, Riggs and Bertone, you had a veteran cop and like an ex-Green Beret, you know? Even if you go something more recent, Taken, you know? 
Our hero didn't let the LAPD solve that. No, he was a man with a particular set of skills. I don't think just because a motherfucker still knows how to read from the Bible that that's the dude that we should have walking against the demons in the pit. I can think of three, maybe. I don't even think of three. The only OG holy warriors that I can think of, and when I say OG, I mean they've been holding down, I think, since day one, haven't really had many stumbles, that's out here fighting the good fight in the world of film, is our lady and dude from The Conjuring. You just have, like, daddy and mom out here, super, super, like, you know, humble, you know, white bread, leave it to beaver, they just happen to fight demons sometimes. And, like, they out here doing doing some good work. Why is everybody else, eat like, awful? Like... It was like the worst candidate to fight a demon. It's like, what What are demons known for in media, right? Twisting and manipulating the sins of the individual, right? And it's like the church is like, what's happening? Asthma, asthma dad. Oh, no, that's awful. Damn. I didn't think he was out. What? Father Jones? No, 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 he's too pure. He's too pure. He's too pure. Get the job done too quick. No drama. We need we need flair. We need pizzazz. What's Father Richards doing? Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. How much how much cocaine? He just got out of prison? Tattoos. Ugh. You know what? Let's redeem. Here's the thing, right? Here's the other theme that I think goes with that. Redemption, right? These movies a lot of times focus on redemption. And it's always like redemption, like this is a test, right? Here's the thing. There's a time and place to test people. If you can't shoot and like we got one shot, one bullet in the chamber to shoot this button or the aliens are going to infect everybody. I'm not going to say, hey, you failed all your firing squad tests. Here's your chance to make that up. No, I'm going to take the shot. Like, you don't do that in life. My suspension of disbelief is not there. And yet, it has to be. Because this is what we do with this stuff in real life. It's the wor- It's the most awful. I've known some good people in my life. That I would much rather have them perform an exorcism than like most people I see. I mean, most people think of exorcism movies. You think of the classics, right? What's the first thing that popped in your head, right? Was it the exorcist? It was the exorcist, right? It was The Exorcist. Okay. So, do you remember how that movie ended? Spoiler alert. Skip ahead a minute. Father Maring dies at the end of that. Y'all watch the prequels? Boy lost his faith. Stopped wearing his cross. Was doing work in Africa. Said these people have no hope. Father Maring was not a good dude. Boy got mollywopped at the end of that movie. And did his young deacon come in and save the day? Yes, by getting possessed himself and jumping out of a fucking window. That's how the exorcist ends. They died. They did not exorcise the demon. There's three sequels. Like, Pazuzu's still out here wilding, just like, whew, that was crazy. I, I didn't know they were going to send y'all. I wouldn't have sent y'all. There's a, there's a, Reverend down the street that probably could have got me out of her. And, and that's that's it. You know how wild this is? You know what? I'm going to give you my tops. These movies I want y'all to go watch. <clears throat> and they're not high on the list. First of all, ready? Cracks Knuckles. Uh, Conjuring 3 to Double made me do it. It's gotten horrible reviews. The movie's fantastic. It is. It's great. It's one of the last movies I saw in theaters. Post-pandemic. 
Judge me if you want. I had to go see it. Yeah, I do. I love, I love the Warrens on film. In person, that's a different discussion. That's a different episode. But on film, love the Warrens. Here's great. That's a good one. Okay? You have a man that loves his wife and his church and his faith so much that even when he gets possessed, he just expels the demon himself. He's like, nah, I'm not going to hurt my wife. I'm sorry. I love her too much. She, she walks in the grace of the Lord. He brought us together. Like I'm like, bro, like that's that's the guy. That's the guy. They need to exercise all the demons. Want another one? Okay, cool. Paranormal activity. The lost ones. Oh, oh, did that shock you? Why? Because that's been critically played as being one of the worst movies ever. You know what that movie taught me? That movie taught me the most important lesson in the horror ever. In all the movies I've seen with witches and supernatural beings, they're like, ah, and they party up and they just like murk people and everything. You know what no one ever did until that movie? I've been watching a horror movie since I was a freaking child. Homeboy gets possessed. His friends go seek help. From where? They're gang member friends. My boys pull out with chrome shotties with pistol grips and murk all these witches. Who knew that the answer to supernatural possessions was gangsters with chrome shotties with pistol grips? That seems so simple. Why was that not done? Fantastic. Tommy, affected it. It's all about the right tool for the job or the right person for the job. There is a horror movie that I cannot recall the name of, and it is another Possession Exorcist movie. I think Olivia Munn's in it. It came out like a few years ago. I remember renting it from Redbox, so yeah, a few years ago. And I remember the priest that they end up getting for help in this movie has tattoos, is hard drinking at a bar, and makes some comment about how he was doing heroin with a girl and she got pregnant because they were messing around. But he's exercised some demons, so he's the best hope they have. I'm like, bro, I don't want the heroin priest. Why do I have the heroin priest? Like, I would be so of the movie would be over right there. Baby, you're going to have to die because if the best I can do for you is the track needle priest. And here's the thing. I am not judging. I know everybody goes through shit. And I feel like these movies hold a precedence of like, this is a redemption thing and the priest is going through redemption and finding their faith again too. Right? Cool. My thing is, that's not a theme in any other film. Like... Watch a basic horror film. What's a big trope, right? The girl runs in the kitchen and everybody makes fun of her because she grabs like a dinky knife. What do you keep in your kitchen? Are you a pastry? Are you, you a big chef? You got a huge freaking meat tenderizer in there? Y'all expect her to open up the drawer and pull out like a shoddy, like fully loaded. Like, oh, that's right. I keep my shotgun next to my rolling pin. Okay. <laughs> and just like light Jason up. Like, no, she grabs what's available to her. This young girl who probably, like, can't cook. Like, yeah, she has, like, a dinky little knife in her drawer that she probably used to open a package. That makes sense, right? But if she did have a shotgun next to her rolling pin, that would be what she would grab, right? Okay, so let's roll this. If you're in a horror movie and you're running from some behemoth, like, mangaloid creature that's in your house, and you open up your kitchen drawer in your kitchen, right? Because that's where your kitchen drawer would be. And you have a rolling pin, a knife, and a fully loaded chrome shoddy with a pistol grip. That's a beautiful gun. I'm just saying, but, right? What are you grabbing? So, 
just to make this straight, I am not getting on people for the issues that they have unless it's shenanigans. Fuck those people. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that redemption arcs aren't prevalent to heroes in the story. I'm just saying if the option is there for the chrome shoddy, why are we grabbing the rolling pin? Okay, like <laughs> I saw another movie. It's on Shutter. Something megahertz has one of my favorite exorcism scenes. Pretty much the demon gets ignorant and at the end this girl just starts beating the shit out of the host. And it's so entertaining. I love it so much. She says, are you going to get out of this girl? And a demon says, ah, bop, just, just, just starts beating the crap out of her. And it's like, brava. Brava. I mean, why? I mean, you can only aggressively toss holy water so many times. That right hook, that right hook tells that demon you need business. That demon knew that they fucked up at that point. Was like, oh, shit. Hold on. You're not supposed to hit me. It's like, I'm not a priest. <laughs> like, so, I don't know. Is this the right tool for the right job? Like, this is something I've noticed. a trope I've noticed. I feel like if you've been with me this far, if you're still here, you're probably thinking back on a lot of other religious horror films that you've seen and noticed that this is a thing. They typically find... it. Here's the thing. It's never like a church. I Where I live now, there's like three really, really nice churches, right? That I feel like if some shit went down, I'd probably go to them. I'd be like, let's go to this big, really nice, ornate church. They always go to, like, the crack house church. It's like a crack house church, and the, the reverend or the priest isn't even, like, dressed priestly. I like wearing some overalls and shit and garden. I'm Father Duncan. At least that's what they used to call me. I don't think I'll be much help to you. And it's like they dust off some old suitcase and put put their stuff on and they find some rosary and they're all like, all right, I'll help you. And they usually get ducked up. And that's because they're not the right tool for the job. And that's all I'm saying is that this is a strange trope I feel like to have in religious horror films. Now, I know I said religious horror films and I've mostly talked about Judeo-Christian horror films. Um, Watch the Dybbuk Box. Watch, you know, again, like what, Asia, um... It's one movie that was on Netflix. Really, it's it's an international thing. And that's the thing that perplexes me the most about it, is that it's not just a Judeo-Christian religious thing. It's pretty much any religious horror film that exists. 90% of them, the help they go to get is like, you know, Target was closed, so they went to Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree priest. And I'm just saying... If Target's not closed, why are we going to Dollar Tree? I mean, because it's cheap and they typically have some stuff. You know, it's like test this product against this. And honestly, I, I, I shop at Dollar Tree like all the time. It's just effective. And <clears throat> but, you know, at the same time, I don't shop at Dollar Tree to deal with my exorcism issues. Like, no, I don't shop at Target either. So I leave you with this. <laughs> like, it's weird to think about because... I'm sitting here, and I'm talking to you, I'm talking at you, and I'm saying, why is this a thing? And then I look at the news, and I go, oh. Because art imitates life. That's why. And maybe this is just like, you know, maybe it's not that deep, or it is deep, and just saying that people are flawed regardless of what aspect of life they're in. You know, doctors are humans, lawyers are humans, so are priests and preachers. Except those that engage in shenanigans. Fuck those guys. But... You know, you took an oath, and we hold we hold everybody accountable for that. 
we hold our military accountable for that. We we want to we're trying to hold, you know, law enforcement accountable for that. You know, doctors. So, I think the least you can do is just try not to do meth. Try not to have illegitimate children with hookers. And just try to remember how to perform the exorcism when it comes time. You know? If if you walk into the room with the preacher and the demon-possessed child that you have starts chuckling. Like, oh, you brought this? This your man's? This him? <laughs> Woo! About to have some fun with this one. You might have got the wrong guy. That's it. That's it for now. I feel like there may be more to say on this later. But, uh, hey, thanks for listening in. I really appreciate you guys. I love talking to you or talking at you all uh, every week. This has been real. Uh, also, you know, you can go to my page and you can support me. Uh, you can support the podcast. And, you know, everything that you guys do to support me goes to me really just like gooning out and watching more movies and having more to talk about and continuing to do this for you. So if you like that, do this for you. You know, help brother out. Uh, it, lowest thing, like the lowest tier, honestly, it's literally 99 cents a month. You won't notice it's missing, but I'll definitely notice it's there. And you know, that's enough to rent a movie and watch it and possibly be inspired to make an episode. So you are inspiring me with your support and just by existing because, you know, like I said, knowing that there's other people out there that love horror makes me feel a little less lonely in this. And I'm not lonely because, you know, I got you guys. So whatever you go out there and do, uh, just because you're doing it, you know, I believe in you and uh, go be good people. And uh, thanks again for listening to another episode of Humanizing Horror. And I'll see you guys next week.